Hey, SCF Student Ministries, Devin here, bringing you the last week of our canceled series. Just a reminder that this podcast is available for you to listen to every week if you're not able to uh, be at youth group on Wednesday nights, or if you want to hear just a more concise message um, than what we would typically have on a Wednesday. So with that, let's get into this. Uh, This week and our our last week of this series is um, about loving people you want to hate. Um, we've spent some time talking about um, some different ideas. Last week we talked about um, loving people who we envy, um, but there's there's a there's a difference between what we've been talking about and what we want to talk about this week. Um, and we've also talked a lot about famous people too. That's kind of come up in the the people that we all see, people that we all um, see, or if we're on social media or whatever. Um, so. Um, thing in your own head, do you follow any famous people online? Most of us do. We follow a few on social media, whatever it is. Um, but think about, are there any famous people that you hate follow? You know, someone you follow because they always make you angry or maybe cringe or whatever, but there's some reason that you follow them, not because you like them. Um, we've all got strong opinions about celebrities, I would say. Um, if you're going to be in youth group, we're going to do this thing where we're going to draft uh, some famous people. So we'll see how that goes and see who um, in our youth group, who we like and who we dislike. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I mean, we we have to strong opinions about celebrities. Um, all you need to do is check the comment section of any, any social media post about a famous person. You'll see that alongside comments from their fans. You'll nearly always see jokes or name calling arguments and hate involved with those posts. Um, and every week it seems like there's a new, in quotes, villain of the week, uh, trending online, yet another famous person, politician or organization, everyone just seems to love to hate, um, either for something silly or because they said something hurtful or offensive. Um, there's different people all the time. Um, I know Jacob and I on this podcast a while ago talked about, um, a guy named Michael Porter Jr. He's a basketball player that, um, got a bunch of flack online for his uh, take on the George Floyd stuff that happens. And all he said was that he said we should pray for everybody involved, which is fine. He's not saying anyone did anything right or wrong. We just pray and he got a ton of flack for it. Um, so, I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about uh, here. So, like we talked about in the first week of this series, social media has led to a phenomenon called cancel culture and it's a big jumble of online behavior some helpful some justified and some not like calling out shaming boycotting and uh holding people accountable for their actions and it happens when people troll and start online feuds for fun Um, people fuel celebrity drama with different hashtags Uh, some people use social media to embarrass or hurt each other for a laugh or for revenge and other people call out or cancel others for legitimate reasons especially public figures who said or did something very harmful but today i don't want to talk about internet trolls or celebrity drama Um, i want to talk about what happens when we have legitimate reasons to cut someone out or cancel someone from our lives Um, whether it's online or in our families or in our circle of friends, there's never a shortage of people we love to hate, especially when we feel there's good reason for that hatred. Uh, When someone hurts us, it's tempting to cancel them by loving to hate them, talking poorly about them, dehumanizing them, or taking revenge um, on them. I uh, had this neighbor 
um, a while back, one of the first houses that my wife and I moved into. And um, we had, there's a, we lived in a really strict HOA um, place. And there was one week where my car leaked a little bit of oil on the driveway. Um, And one of the HOA rules is that you have to clean up all your oil spills like right away or you can get like a big fine. And I tried to clean it, but it was like, it was like this little tiny spot and it, I couldn't get it come out. I did like all the things that you need to do. I got it like lighter, but I ended up, I cleaned the concrete so well around it, it actually made it stand out more, even though the actual oil spill went down. But with this one neighbor, no one else would care except this one neighbor who was on the HOA board. And she was like coming by and taking pictures and she finds people all the time and takes pictures of everything that they do wrong. Um, but I remember she took a picture of us and turned us like in for this little oil spill. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that someone would take the time to do this. Um, but honestly, like it made me want to like take revenge on this person for, uh, what she did, what how like for being what I felt like was something petty to do. I didn't just like, like, yeah, I broke the rule, but like, why would you, you bother me with this? Um, so I could have taken like what I wanted to do was go and just dump oil in her driveway and cause a spill for her, take a picture of it and be like, Hey, you have an oil stain too. Um, and I was like, I knew it was wrong, but I was like, I really wanted to do it. Cause I was so mad about her taking the picture of my little tiny stain. Um, but I mean, really once I sat down and thought of, it, I was like, that would be just a terrible idea to do. Um, but I mean, some of these things, they're complicated, right? When we're hurt, of course, we want to stick up for ourselves and hold people accountable for their actions, whether they're right or wrong. But God also calls us to forgive and show grace rather than seeking revenge. Um, so how do we balance accountability with grace and forgiveness? And does forgiving someone mean pretending like the hurt never even happened? Also, when do we need to seek justice and when do we need to just let something go? Last week, we heard the story of David and King Saul Uh, focusing mostly on Saul. And this week, we're going to look at that same story, but focus on David. Uh, So in case you need a recap of, of, uh, it's in 1 Samuel, uh, towards the end of it, Uh, Saul was the king of Israel, but David had been chosen by God to be the next king. And Saul liked David at first, but he eventually became incredibly envious of David uh, because of all the success that he'd had. And because of this envy, Saul tried to kill David repeatedly. He even rallied his army of soldiers to help him hunt and kill David. Uh, and so can we all agree that David had a valid reason to hate Saul for what he was doing to him? He wouldn't, he didn't ask for this. He was just being himself and, and he was bringing all this hate and it would have been totally reasonable for, for David to want revenge, but here's what happened instead. And so we're going to be in first Samuel chapter, uh, 24 verses one through seven. I'm going to read those really quick. Uh, after Saul returned, uh, from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 3, able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was uh, conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. 
So two things. First, yes, the bathroom thing is funny that that's, that's the setup for this scenario. But second, not only did David not kill Saul, he didn't even hurt him. He cut off a piece of Saul's robe as evidence, but felt remorseful even about that. And he let Saul leave in peace. When David had the opportunity to take revenge and let hate guide him, he chose to let Saul go instead. And so in this moment, David chose to love Saul in spite of his actions. That doesn't mean David suddenly liked Saul or wanted to be his best friend, but David showed love instead of hate by showing mercy to Saul instead of revenge. And like we mentioned last week, Saul, David and Saul didn't exactly reconcile. The best they could do was promise to stay away from each other, and they did. And for the rest of their lives, they never saw each other again. But keep in mind, the story we're reading is from a different time and culture. It's about two powerful men, and not people like you and me who definitely don't rule nations or command armies. This is also the story of two adults, not teenagers. So before we go any further, let me make a few things clear. The moral of the story is not to be nice to someone who is abusive or dangerous. And it's not to ask for help when you're in, um, in danger. And it's also to not seek justice when someone has harmed you. If you're in a position now or you have been in the past where someone, especially an adult, is harming you or harming someone else, please tell one of the adults um, around you or in this youth group with our leaders that you trust. Uh, we, we need to know those things. God doesn't tell us to put ourselves in harm's way or to endure abuse or violence, and it doesn't honor God when you allow yourself to be hurt or mistreated. God loves you, he sees you, and has put the adults in this room um, in this in this youth group in your life to help protect you. So please tell us and we will help. Got it? Good. We love you guys. So if that's not the lesson we should take from the story, what is? Like we said last week, it's helpful in reading Old Testament stories to look ahead to the words of Jesus and see what he had to say. So now we're going to flip back over to Matthew like we did last week. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 38 uh, through 45. I'm going to read that really quick for you guys. Uh, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. As he often did, Jesus flipped the script on the world's wisdom about love and hate. Instead of telling his audience to love those who love them and hate those who hate them, Jesus challenged them and us to try something new. To love our enemies. Although David lived many years before Jesus spoke these words, David understood God wouldn't want him to return Saul's hatred with more hatred. His decision to, so, to show Saul love instead of vengeance points to Jesus challenges what points to Jesus challenged us to do. Love the people we want to hate. So let's talk about this phrase, turn the other cheek, because it's often misunderstood. When Jesus said this, he didn't mean never stand up for yourself or others, and let people walk all over you. Jesus had no problem verbally defending himself. Jesus even often got angry at people who were cruel and hurtful. 
to him or others, but Jesus never sought revenge or was cruel to other people or escalated a conflict because his pride was wounded. So here's what I think Jesus did when he uh, did mean when he said, turn the other cheek. When someone attacks or hurts or lashes out at you, don't be overcome by anger. Don't plot your revenge. Don't escalate the situation and don't react without thinking. We want you to respond wisely instead. So now I'll let you in on a secret about Jesus. Many people think of Jesus only as a kind, gentle, peace-loving man, but Jesus was a revolutionary of his time. Jesus upset both religious and political leaders of his day. They all wanted him dead. Jesus' enemies would often try to provoke or trap him so they could have an excuse to arrest him, but Jesus knew better. So imagine for a moment that you're angry with someone and you punch them in the face looking for a fight, but then that something strange happens. That person that you just punched doesn't hit back. Instead, they take a breath, raise their hands, look you straight in the eyes, and turn their head, giving you the perfect shot to punch them again. So here's what I would hope you would do in that moment. Stop and consider what you've just done, and realize you can't hit them again because you'd clearly become the bad guy. You need to calm down, you'll probably feel ashamed, and you need to walk away. That's the power of love over hate and of self-control instead of revenge. When we react in anger or seek revenge, we escalate conflicts, which makes it much more difficult for the person who has hurt us to come to terms with what they did. After all, if you punch them back, they'll have a reason to hit you again and might even think their first punch was justified. When Jesus said to turn the other cheek, he wasn't telling us just get over it. He was telling us to strategically choose love instead of hatred because love changes things. So who are your enemies? Think about that yourself. Who are you tempted to hate because of the way they've hurt or treated you? Who have you hurt out of a desire for revenge and how can you make it right? How can you stop the back and forth exchange of hatred and retaliation? And how can you strategically choose to love someone you want to hate? When someone hurts us, it's natural to want to cancel them and make them pay. But it's possible to hold someone accountable for their actions without adding to the hatred in the world. The world needs us to model a new way forward, the way of love and not hate. It'll be challenging, but most things are in this world. This change can start with us when we decide to, one, forgive. Forgiveness isn't something we do for the person who hurt us. It's something we do for ourselves and for God. Whether they've asked us for our forgiveness or not, we can choose to let go of bitterness toward the people who have hurt us. You may not be ready to fully forgive that person today, and that's okay. Forgiveness is often a journey. So we also notice we all need people to model for us what compassion and love look like. But the good news is that these examples are everywhere. We just have to pay attention. Next, we defend. We've talked a lot about what to do when we've been hurt, but don't forget that other people are being hurt all the time. You might you might notice someone being bullied at school, or you might begin to explore deep and systemic problems like injustice, racism, and inequality. If you were David being hunted by the king, you would have wanted someone to defend you, right? We can do that for others. And the last thing is pray. The things we've talked about today are difficult. If we want to choose love instead of hate, we're going to need a lot of help. We have to learn to pray for those who have hurt us, who are hurting others, just like Jesus said. 
It's hard to hate someone you're consistently praying for. As we close, I want to challenge you to pray for the person you've most, you're most tempted to hate right now. You probably can think of somebody. Ask God to help you choose love instead of revenge. If we choose to hate our enemies, hate will only grow. But if we choose to love our enemies with God's help, that love will grow instead and it'll spread and even change our culture. It's not going to be easy, but it's absolutely worth it. And like Jesus said, and like David as well, God's challenging you to love the people you want to hate and see how it changes you, changes them, and changes the world. Thank you guys so much for uh, going on this series with me, this canceled series, and just learning about um, what love can do in our community and with other people, what it takes to love people we may not want to love. And if you ever have questions or concerns or whatever, please feel free to bring them to me. Um, With that, I'm excited to start a new series with you guys next time, and I'll see you next week.